And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry. You can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! If Anakoku thinking almost too deeply about the concept of shots on target, which major trophies would be the most comfortable to share a bed with after you've won them? Henry Kissinger in the crowd at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea's resident magician, when does a chance become a half chance? The official guidelines for post-penalty shootout celebration etiquette, speedboats versus Rolls Royces, and the absolute scandal that is the current state of club name abbreviations in the top left corner of the nation's TV screens. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is football cliches. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 134 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Good, how are you? I'm alright. Someone got in touch to say that during last week's chat with uh, Jonathan Van Tam, both of us, at different points, said the word Pacific instead of specific. No. I, I want to make it absolutely clear even as a man who has said Sieg instead of Segway, that it did not happen. I refuse to believe it happened. I, I wouldn't say it. Yeah, I cannot believe. I mean, if if I did, I can only apologise, but I, I can't believe it. I mean, that's something you would do by mistake. It's, it's, you either no. think it's specific or you just, or, or that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's, I'm no, confident surely not. I'm that kind of guy. We're, we're not those people. We're no. absolutely not those people. No. I mean, the evidence will be there, but I'm just going to, I'd rather just deny it because... I can't believe I ever would have. It would have been that. a very quiet S. That's all. That's all. Exa- yeah, exactly. It would have been a error uh, with our mics or something mm. like that. Exactly. Error with their ears, more like. Alongside you for the adjudication panel today is David Walker. How is it going? It's going well. I don't remember hearing you say Pacific on the edits, but I, I, I could trawl back through the audio and, no, and confirm. Your professional ear is enough. If, if Dave's ear isn't picking it up. Genuinely defamatory, actually. I'm genuinely quite annoyed by this. Um, <laughs> Dave, round four update of the you try telling them that the FA Cup has lost its lustre. Who are we going for this time around? Some people might say Boreham Wood, but it, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel big enough, really. Yeah, I mean, obviously it would have been Kidderminster Harriers, wouldn't it? Had they had they managed yeah, even to, them. to squeak it. But, but you know what was a really good one for this, which we were alerted to, was someone wrote about the Manchester United fans and how annoyed they were post-Middlesbrough mm. being used in a kind of try telling them it doesn't matter, given oh, how gutted like they were. Situation. Yeah, exactly, which was a re- reverse um, usage of it, but kind of, yeah, from the same school of thinking. That's mm. quite welcome, and- though. 
Yeah, but it's got mm. to the point where I, I, I heard the, the commentary of the penalty shootout on the radio on Friday mm. night. The story that the commentator, Jim Proudfoot, I think it was, who went for was, and this is another, probably going to be another trophyless season for Manchester United because they're in, they're in the Champions League, but they're not, you know, they're not going to win the Champions League, are they? So that's, that's where they are now. Like the FA Cup is a big deal to them. Absolutely, absolutely right. Um, Can I just say as well, before Mr. Pacific Specific, I'm aware it's school of thought. I just said school of thinking, which I know is wrong. <laughs> oh, oh no. Oh, no. Look it was a mistake. The they ropes. happen. And I could just ask Dave to cut it out so you won't hear it, but I'm bigger than that. <laughs> no, you don't. Rent you do free. that every week. So <laughs> Rent <matter>. free. <laughs> yeah, um, he is. I'm just trying to find the sweet spot of um, who we need to try and tell about the FA Cup losing its luster. And I think, Charlie, I might go with Nottingham Forest Ooh, because um, there was Nottingham a particularly gleeful Forest. atmosphere at the city ground uh, when they were sort of 3-0 up against Leicester. Um, you know, understandably, all things considered. But no more gleeful than at 3-1 up when James Madison had a free kick wide out on the right to deliver into the box. And um, and I think the Forest fans let their glee just go a little bit too far for this one. Madison ready to deliver it. Portini just needs to have a warning word before this is delivered. It's low from Madison. Do you know what? For this one, I was I was all prepared to to, make an an angry case for this being a very inappropriate time, Charlie, to do the your shit ah. But then then he 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 hit the free kick straight to a Nottingham Forest defender and it it morphed beautifully into a way. So I'm now allowing it because it really is a masterpiece from start to finish. Also because it's such a perfect cocktail because Madison, I think, is one of those players who winds opposition fans up. You know, he's quite self-confident, et cetera, et cetera, uh, which, you know, fans don't like. It's a big local derby. It's also trying to be clever as well because he takes the free kick low and rather than just crossing it. I, I think if anything merits the kind of double your shit out way, then, uh, then this is it. Yeah, I, I, I am uncomfortable with anyone doing your shit out on a free kick, <laughs> especially especially in attack, you know, a free kick in that in such a dangerous position. But completely agree. Very much redeemed themselves with the instantaneous segue into <laughs> the way. Very good. Yeah, they they were rescued by mm. the free kick. I mean, unless he'd overhit it, I can't think of any other scenario for that free kick that have warranted a your shit ah uh, and its um and its aftermath. But just to just to ram home the credentials for this game is not necessarily the giant killing of the weekend, but ha- arguably pound for pound the most magical moment of the FA Cup for this weekend. Late on, the scoreline got the traditional treatment from Martin Keown. <laughs> The Nottingham Forest have scored four goals without their 13-goal top scorer, Lewis Brown. If you just come in, you don't have to adjust your sets. That really is 4-1. <laughs> Can't beat a good old adjust your set, yeah. can you, Dave? <laughs> adjust your sets. When was the last time anybody adjusted their set? Going up and tapping the side of their TV. <laughs> I'm, ha- I'm willing to overlook, Charlie, the anachronistic nature of um, don't adjust your set. That's that's fine. It's a saying. But Stephen McClay writes in and says, exactly what adjustment would someone try to do to their TV set if they had just joined and were shocked by a scoreline? <laughs> would you sort of <laughs> smash the side of your TV and go, come yeah, on, what's this nonsense? That, that's the traditional one. When I think of adjust your set, that is the kind of, yeah, tapping it. 
tapping it back into reception. Dial. I guess, yeah, you could do the tuning as well. <laughs> you know, waggle a wire in there. But, I, I mean, has anyone, back in the days when adjusting your set was, was a probably a regular occurrence, did anyone ever, was anyone ever pleasantly surprised by the score once a <laughs> set had been adjusted that it was not right, as bad oh, it as was they thought? Wrong. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a good so. question. Whether whether they ever gave wrong scores, did they, did that ever happen? Oh, uh, sorry, it looks it's, like it's, an eight. Yeah. If, if you adjusted your TV, it would then everyone look normal. Now there is a threshold for this. I'm just trying to work out what it is, but we won't waste too much time on that because we have the adjudication panel to take care of. That wasn't even the adjudication panel. Would you believe a mere intro to the rest of the footballing weekend for us to dissect? First of all, let's let's start with um, with Afcon, please. And rewind slightly to the semi-finals. This is from Michael Bocking. He says, 15 minutes towards the end of the AFCON semi-final between Cameroon and Egypt. Here's the BBC's Effa Nakoku briefly piercing the tension by quietly pondering an age-old existential footballing quandary. It's the second time yeah. the post's been clipped. Post. Those final strains, like those shots I hit the post are not classed as being on target. I mean, the net is the target, isn't it? But without the post, then we have no nets, really, because they fall down. So it's a little bit harsh on those uh, aiming to score. <laughs> Do you know what, Charlie? I've I've heard this I've heard this kind of semi-argument intermittently over the years, and and I kind of sympathise with it. You know, the idea that shots on target should include the woodwork. You know, you know, in a kind of literal sense. But I've never heard that logic applied. Well, the posts do help and they're tough. You don't have any goals. So, I mean, the way <laughs> the way he's saying like a bit harsh on those trying to find trying to score suggests he has been burnt by this, and he feels like yeah. his shots on target stats from his very career. Very strikers' been, union. Un- yeah, it? very strikers' union. Exactly. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I can remember vividly sort of where and when I was when I was told about the it's not a that doesn't count as a shot on target because i think someone said it in a game you got the month of the year please charlie <laughs> ridiculous i mean yeah i say that it was some sometime around 99 but um that was yeah, your was, where were you when jfk was shot exactly. moment it was one of those i was just like what <laughs> because the way the comments he said it, it was like oh yeah and obviously they still haven't had a shot on target and they just had a shot on target. i was like but they, they literally just hit the post and i was like no dave would you count. would you be happy if opsa just came out tomorrow and said you know what we're going to include post and crossbar in the equation we're happy with it spiritually it belongs there mm. <laughs> yeah, i know i don't know i don't think i could oh. i could live with it, it no. i don't think it should, i agree it in, shouldn't be it's not it's not yeah, exactly and in the age of xg and all that i feel like it's sort of accounted for <laughs> by that isn't it you get enough reward yeah yeah, surely. Well, I don't know. Maybe, probably not. Actually, probably got nothing to do with it. To be honest, I don't know what I'm. I'm. A, I'm no data analyst. But like, yeah, I don't know. It just, yeah, it doesn't feel right to me. Wait, we're talking about goal scoring here, Charlie. I suppose it, it, we should err on the brutal side, I guess. Yeah, I. Just, I think there are bigger injustices. Like I discovered a few years ago that you don't get an assist. You can't. No own goals don't get an assist. So if you put in a beautiful whipped cross squarely into the corridor of uncertainty, where you're hoping. Someone's going to, you know, if a forward doesn't get it, you'll get an own goal. You put in this amazing cross, own goal, you don't get any credit for that. I mm. think that's really harsh. Whereas you would get an assist for like a square pass to someone who then bangs one in from 30 yards. <laughs> that's always the scenario, isn't it? Always the scenario that people use for... No justice. 
it would play havoc with the betting markets as well. As somebody who has on played havoc one, with on, uh, the betting markets on, on more than one occasion, um, been tempted in by the offer of Pierre Emerick Aubameyang and Deli Ali both to get one shot on target in the ninety minutes special price boost and thinking, yeah, oh, surely that's right. that's definitely going to happen. Doesn't happen very much. Shots on target much rarer than you think. So mm, if, by that logic, enough. yeah, if they were to include the post and bar. I suppose I would be all for it. Yeah, fair enough. AFCON, of course, reached its crescendo with Senegal prevailing on penalties over Egypt. Charlie, they celebrated in traditional manner at least four of their players posing for pictures with the trophy in bed, mm-hmm. suggesting that they did indeed sleep with the trophy. And um, I looked at it and I thought, OK, I classified that trophy as about an 8 out of 10 on the looks comfortable to sleep with in bed scale, <laughs> which begs the inevitable question. Which trophies would be the most comfortable to pretend to sleep with in bed? I think of this first of all from cricket because David Warner did this with the Ashes, um, yeah. and that seems quite good because that's it's. Uh, I think he did it with because it's so small and he Very did it delicate with his, though. True, but you he, have to I clutch think, it like a tiny teddy bear, wouldn't you? I think he had it just above him. Then he had his baggy green cap as well mm. next to him in a very in a very stylized. It needs to be a huggable. Uh, needs to be a picture. huggable trophy. So you're so you want one that you're kind of yeah. I mean the World Cup that would, that might slot slot in neatly quite next. I think uh, it ticks all the right to. boxes. Yeah, it's it's curvy. It has mm. a smooth top and a round base, so it, it's not going to be uncomfortable. Dave, I tell you what would be a terrible trophy to sleep with the sort of player of the season trophies you got at under 13s level because <laughs> it'd be like pokey arms oh yeah a little figure. square marble base yeah which is gonna hurt yeah and it would almost certainly would break if you roll on top of it as well so yeah for those three reasons yeah but also unfortunately really you are probably more likely to sleep with it as a 13 year old winning yeah, a trophy than you are as yeah. a grown man mm. uh, winning one. Yeah. So, yeah, I bet there have been a few broken trophies out there. Try to think of any other ones. Oscars are pretty ergonomic. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah and Oscars are similar, similar, um, similar to a World Cup in that respect. Smaller, yeah. I suppose. Still got a square plinth, though, I think. Oh, no, is it circular? It's circular, isn't it? Oscar. Yeah, circular at the bottom. Thank God. Yeah. The yeah. Um, Champions League too big. <laughs> really big, isn't it, that one? Yeah, really? anything with handles is out of the yeah. equation, yeah. isn't it? I know, I was thinking that with the, with the charity shield work... <laughs> oh, yeah. m- m- moving that I mean, under the yeah. under the pillow yeah yeah exactly yeah that's right but then uh, yeah does that count as sleeping with it not sure uh, Europa League too angular hey actually can we just rewind on that you, the charity shield isn't good enough and prestigious enough to sleep with it well I mean um, a photo unless you're Jose Mourinho <laughs> I'm sure he'd be up for I'm sure he's had a few I'm sure he slept with that in the in the Lowry when he was mentioned as United <laughs> manager that would be amazing, actually, to, just to wind up a keen or, you know, I'm sure like he, he would feel horrified by sleeping with any trophy, let alone if the United players next season, they win the Charity Shield and players are posting pictures of themselves cuddling up David the May Shield. slept with the Champions League trophy in 1999. Let's move on. Right. A real new height for our famous person spotted in the uh, stands during a TV game genre, Dave. Simon McKeown writes in and says, I was watching the big match on ITV4, (laughs) which was showing the 1976 second division clash between Chelsea and Wolves at Stamford Bridge. While enjoying the spectacle of what seems like an almost different sport these days, the camera picked out a celebrity in the crowd. This celebrity is US Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, fresh from backing Argentina's military junta. Well, I think Dr. Henry Kissinger, the guest here today, must be quite impressed with the way this game has gone so far. A lot of good movement in it. In fact, Dr. 
Kissinger much more interested at the moment in a fight that's going on in the crowd on this side of the field and I suppose as a mediator he might well feel that he could do something about it. Yes! <laughs> I cannot think of a grander combination of celebrity and thing that they might be interested in during a football game, Dave. That is amazing. A man who knows a thing or two about stepping in and stopping conflicts. Well, <laughs> Although well, a lot of people would yeah. disagree with that. What a secretary of state he was, by the way. I mean, that that is... That's even better than I thought it was going to be when you gave it that setup, and also just the fact he's there is amazing. Mm. Nice little, nice little prelude for him coming on MHD next week. <laughs> right, next up, uh, Charlie. Quick quiz for you. Actually, my question is this: What extreme scenario is used to explain the natural commitment and aggression of a midfield enforcer? What is it they're said that they would do? Run through a brick wall. Carry on. What would they be aggressive towards, even if they absolutely had to? Themselves. They could start a fight in an empty room. Closer. Pick a fight themselves. Closer. Think of their extended family. Their grandma. What would they do? Mug mug their own grandma. Tackle their own grandma. They would kick their own granny. They would kick their own granny. That's that. That is what I was after. These quizzes always a massive letdown. It's incredible. It really is. Um, so yes, that's the that's the accepted cliche. You would kick your own granny if it meant, you know, it, um, X, Y, and Z. But Nottingham Forest new two point two million pound striker Sam Surridge was the subject of um, a piece by the Athletics Paul Taylor the other day. He took a look at what Forest were getting for their money. And he sought the opinion of Surridge's old youth coach at Bournemouth, Carl Fletcher, who said this, Charlie. He is a player who will always affect a game. He runs hard. He scores goals. He would kick his granny into the back of the net if it meant he would get on the score sheet. I've never heard it in a goal-scoring context before. In the initial, in the original context, you can understand it. You think, well, yeah, that, is, that would be where I would draw the line. But he's gone, he's gone beyond it. In this case... There's just no need. You wouldn't need to do that. <laughs> and if if his granny bounces off the crossbar, it's, it's, it's not a shot on target. Not on target. <laughs> so, is it, so is he saying in this situation, it's like the granny is the ball. He would happily kick his granny. Wow. Or head, head her in. Just needs the granny to go in off his bum to, <laughs> <laughs> to break his duck. It would work if she was like a goalkeeper in the 1950s, if he sort of bundles into the, her into the net with <laughs> the ball. That was allowed, yeah. That would work. I can't think of any other scenario. Quite an image. Quite an image for Sam Surridge's grandma. Anyway, but yeah, lovely stuff. Great quote. Enjoyed that. Next up, Thomas Tuchel and his backroom staff enjoyed a meal out the other night with Chelsea director Marina Granovskaya in London, ahead of their return to action for the FA Cup this weekend. The Daily Mail reported, Dave, that Tuchel and Granovskaya were all smiles as they posed for a picture alongside Chelsea's resident magician, David Redfern, who performed for them on the night. Resident magician? Where were they eating? I don't know. Didn't read down that But why was the magician there? Unless they were having it at Stamford Bridge in the hospitality suite. Fine. I could see see you having a bloke that does the rounds. I'm assuming not. I'm assuming it was like a nice restaurant somewhere else. You can't bring... You can't take them for a night out at their own stadium. Exactly. That's my point. So why was the resident magician Well, he just... he just, just comes. Where, he just summoned wherever they need him to be. <laughs> just he just can, he can appear out of thin yeah. air, like a doctor. A, a restaurant in Knightsbridge. I mean, I guess like you have um, magicians, don't you, at some big events, big corporate events. So maybe this was just like a sort of smaller scale one for him. He's just working the table. Let's say there are ten. It's 10 not going well. Can you call the magician? He, yeah, yeah, exactly. Bit of an icebreaker. He sort of wanders around, does one corner, does a few tricks, lights things up, and then moves around. 
does sound quite fun. Dave, I'm kind of reassured that his his name is just David Redfern. Like one of the most football-y sounding names you, a mm. magician could ever have. Not sort of, I don't know, Danny Gizmo or something like that. Sounds like he would have been on the pitch back in 1974 yeah. mm. <laughs> when Dr. Henry Kissinger was watching. He was the left back for, for Chelsea that day. Some clubs, Charlie, have sort of resident like poets and stuff. And they have sort of club chaplains and things like that. Tea ladies, famously. Fixers, famously. Yeah. I'd love to know of more tenuous, I don't know, people yeah. on retainers at Premier League football clubs. Just Yeah, and ha- how <laughs> often he's magician. used. They send just him out like, on loan. <laughs> just, like going, just like going up to some, you know, a group of old men having a pint in the, on the concourse, just sort of saddling up in, sort of in their peripheral vision with, with a pack of cards. Mm. We're not well, interested, that's a, mate. That, that's an interesting one. I imagine he's more just for the players and Chelsea staff. I don't, I don't imagine that he's you, the fans oh, get, get, yeah, get some treatment. What, what, as a morale sort of, booster. I, yeah, yeah, so he'll, I imagine he'll be there. Magic like, is the, cool. Yeah, magic's great. Yeah. He'll be there um, in the right you know, circumstances. The, at the hotel. Yeah, so like the hotel the night before a big game, everyone's a bit tense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we get can we get Redfern out? Just lighten the mood a bit. <laughs> I've, Charlie, I've never seen a man more designed for for a behind the scenes story of a win than a resident magician. Oh yeah. my god, we were nervous. Like... We were nervous. The player said, but um, as soon as the magician came out, everything sort of uh, we were all suddenly chilled out. And the next morning, we woke up and we were ready to go. No day is ever the same. What it's like being a club magician at a Premier League club. <laughs> um, oh, can I do a quick quiz on you guys? Something I've noticed. Yeah, yeah See, I like if you, these. Can, you cannot write La Masia, Barcelona's La Masia Academy, without this adjective before it. The club something, La Masia Academy. It's not prestigious. No. Famed? Yes. Famed. You cannot write La Masia Academy without famed. What it's, is the it's, difference it's, between famous and famed? Good question. It's famed, not famous I, La Masia, is it? It's famed. No, no, it's absolutely famed. Famed for something. Yeah, I think mm. famed suggests there's more of an achievement behind it. Famous, you can be famous for all sorts of things sometimes. So you kind of earned it. And, yeah, I think so. Fa- like it's, it's almost like it's cherished in some way. The famed La Masia. Yeah. Quite right. The full name for the Barcelona youth conveyor belt. This is via Josh Booth. Dave, we preoccupied ourselves so much with Popmaster Supremo Ken Bruce, the Lionel Messi of footballing small talk, that I feel like we've maybe neglected the Cristiano Ronaldo of footballing small talk, and that's Alexander Armstrong on Pointless. Uh, in this particular example, football isn't even in the equation, but we all know where this is headed. <laughs> Uh, remind us all about yourself, Alison. Um, I'm a, a theatre writer and director uh, for my job. I thought I was going to say for my sins. I think, oh. what? <laughs> no. But no sins, surely. That, no, that's, no. that's all upside. I'm very lucky. Very, very lucky. Yeah, very lucky. <laughs> I have nothing to say about this. I just love it. I love all of it. It's great that he then does he because I thought it was just going to be that, but then him latching on, I'm like, I thought you were going to say for my sins. <laughs> Wouldn't let it no, go. No, 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 no sins, no sins. That's how ingrained it is, Dave. Like. It, Everyone listening to that would have expected sins. And the little pause just made it even more excruciating. Well, perhaps, yeah, perhaps we need to um, turn our eyes to pointless, actually. Give Ken Bruce a rest for a little bit. Perhaps they could be, yeah, we need to get our army of of listeners to, to pay attention. Charlie, they are both absolutely neck and neck in their ability to feign interest in who someone supports mm. or what they do in their spare time. It really it is an art form, I think. It really is, yeah, being able to say, like, one quick... Yeah. Uh, little so what do you thing. do? Yeah, what do you do? Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. Long you hours. What What do we think as well? We We've talked at length about what the most sort of um, for my sinsy club is, but what's the most sort of what What job do you think would be a for my sins? Lawyer. Like, 
Yeah, I was thinking like accountant because because I think for my there should be it shouldn't actually be something that people because you want a joviality to it. Like okay. You wouldn't want to say something like you know I'm a debt collector for my sins because then it's a bit like oh traffic warden. Yeah, something trafficy, something jobs worthy. Maybe, but is that not too? I don't think that would get the same laugh because you'd be like, oh yeah, I do think you're a prick. The accountancy thing works just because you know they've been they they themselves have been punished and had to do this very boring <laughs> yeah, job. A little that bit, but also. Else. But also because it's quite a well-respected job. <laughs> Universally understood to be boring but necessary. Exactly. And there's this kind of inbuilt embarrassment of having to say you do it, even though it's a perfectly respectable profession. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I think that sits quite well in the For My Sins. But um, I was just wondering whether... Has Ken Bruce ever been on a celebrity pointless? Wow. So what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? Well, well. A, little, a little radio show for my sins. <laughs> he would definitely say <laughs> Oh my good. Uh, the world, world's colliding. The immovable object and the irresistible force. Speaking of uh, irresistible forces, I guess, um, Vout Veghorst, Dave, made his low-key Burnley debut in the goalless mm. draw against a particularly Hodgsonian Watford at Turf Moor on Saturday evening. I like that. Uh, just before the half hour, and I feel like the commentators were waiting for, for an opportunity to, to shoehorn this in somehow. Just before the half hour, a cross came in from the right and Watford defender Craig Cathcart just managed to nick, it, nick the ball away from Veghorst mm. as he was gearing up for a big header. And the BT Sport commentary team declared this as a welcome to the Premier League. Having what? Craig Cathcart just, just nick having, it off. Having the ball nicked away from him. Ridiculous. It is well- ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I think that might be, Charlie, the worst ever welcome to the Premier League I've ever heard. But was he suggesting that Veghorst is used to having things all his own way because he's such a big guy that in most leagues he's played at, he'll be winning the headers? Well, it's not going to be like that over here, Sonny. The insinuation was that you, you just don't get the op- as many opportunities in the Premier League to score. Mm. You have to take, you know, mm. and uh, let me tell you, you those are the margins. Do. When you're playing this Watford. was against Watford. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if you're going to use a welcome to the Premier League, that game in a horrendous wind and rain at Turf Moor on a Saturday evening, there's your welcome to your pre- to the Premier League for you. Mm. Yeah, but he signed up to that. Yeah, I think it needs to be something that he's kind of. Um, you know, it's not part of his team. The sort of hostile Watford defence is. That's what he's going to have to get used to. Sounds like nobody had the. The guts, Charlie, just to go straight through him in the first twenty. So they had to they had to go for Plan so they, B. Someone, mm. no one shoved him into the advertising hoardings at Turf Moor. Don't mess with Val Veghorst, six foot six. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Patrick Nolan writes in, he says, Have you lads ever talked about what makes the difference between a chance and a half chance? Is there any scientific divider between the two? Now, Dave, I can't remember if we've ever discussed this, but Mm. I've thought about it now and I really want to talk about it. Dave, I put it to you that there are three factors that differentiate a chance and a half chance. Angle, obstacle and control. That is, how in charge of the ball were they throughout the beginning, middle and end of the opportunity, if you Distance. Like. Distance, I think, whilst very much an important part of deciding whether it is a chance at all, I don't think is massively important when it comes to chance and half chance. Yeah, the distance is implied, isn't it? Basically, any shot out from outside the box, unless it was like... like goalkeeper's a, out of position goal, or Exactly, goalie out of position, exactly. Yeah. It's so too speculative, yeah. It's definitely a penalty area thing. Mm. So, Charlie, I, let me just illustrate this. This is what I think a, a classic half chance would look like. A cross comes in of relatively awkward height, uh, perhaps on the volley. You've got a player, you've got a defender basically in front of you blocking it and the goalkeeper to beat. It's it's not a presentable opportunity it, and, and, and it's hit first time as well. So it's barely even it's barely even an opening. That's, that's why we consider a half chance to be like a snapshot, first time, People in the way was never going to go in. Obstacle was the first thing that jumped to my mind because I think of it as a when a defender just just about does enough, what they often do is turn a chance into a half chance because a defender doing they don't make the they don't actually block the ball but they'll do something like they're lunging right in front of you, they're sort of maybe knock you slightly off balance. I think the the, the quality of the chance would also often be just in which category this fits into something like it's a little bit behind him the pullback's just, just a little bit behind him he can't he can't fully get it out of his feet you're or something watching like it that. you think i wouldn't expect someone to score that essentially yeah micro xg it's got to be a really it's got to be a properly good finish and i think the distance thing's important because you're right it, you obviously th- there is a balance where you're not you know you can't have one from outside the box or whatever but half chance is often from a pretty similar distance because it might be 12 it, yards I'm sorry. I was going to say yeah around the penalty spot yeah. is what I'm thinking because yeah. then it's because it has to be something that would be a chance were it not for these additional factors bang on bang on yeah uh, I, I think the angle is quite important as well because I think a chance, you know, big chance or whatever, you can hear like a, a co-commentator saying, oh, well, he's got the whole goal to aim at there and he's just put it straight at the keeper. Whereas if it's uh, five yards or 10 yards either side of the sort of central penalty spot area, you say well, the angle's against him there. 
you know, he's had it's a good effort, but he's, he's, he would take a you know going to take a really good shot to score from that angle. To, sort of towards the territory where it was actually inadvisable to shoot. Yeah, right. someone might actually harangue mm. him for doing so. Good clarity there, there, on that. There, there is actually a thing though, right? Big big chances is yeah. like an accepted statistical metric. I don't know what yeah, yeah, the, yeah. what the criteria the, for that the is. Definition but... is where a striker would be reasonably expected to score. But right. we, but do they do, does big chance? Because presumably you, that would be quite an easy thing for Opta to measure would be if, say, the XG of that chance was above a certain point, it becomes a big chance. I don't know if that is how it's calculated, but I have never, I've be. never seen XG as part of the equation for it. It's, it's very vaguely defined, but I, I imagine it's like a subjective thing. Like, he's got to score there. Uh, <laughs> but that, that, but that seems odd for Opta to just to be like, yeah. let's. how do we judge it? He's just got to score. Surely that would be based on some sort of code. Big chance. It's a curiously sort of vague term for some... You yeah. know, for for something that's attempting to precisely define something, Big but that's chance. Chance. but Opta Opta also have good crosses, which I always like <laughs> as a, as a metric. Because again, I'm sure they do have a very scientific formula, but it just sounds quite vague. It's like, yeah, that's a it, good cross. Great if it's it turns out cross. their list of list of you know events include things like great opening, promising. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've covered this before. Great work by winger X. They should definitely have that. We had we have an equation yeah. ready for them and everything. Yeah, we striker should. X leads the table in decent efforts this yeah. season. <laughs> what a tie-in that would be. Clichés X Opta. Let's definitely do that. Right, thank we solved that. Well done. Um Sam and several others, Charlie, alerted me to a, a crime against post-penalty shootout celebrations at Old Trafford on Friday night. Sam says if a team wins a penalty shootout out, but their goalkeeper doesn't make any saves where should all his winning mm. teammates run to celebrate most of the Middlesbrough players automatically ran to the keeper but I don't think he deserved it that's... there needs to be a focal point though this is the thing it's kind of just accepted that's an interesting one and I have thought that before when keeper doesn't really do a lot but I mean could you argue even with a missed penalty that the keeper's just no. about done enough. No. Well, regardless of whether Would that's the true goalkeeper's or not, I don't union think that comes that into point. the equation of when, you, when you're deciding what to do. I just think the goalkeeper becomes the focal point and he's running oh, towards sure. you. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. That's why it happens. But I just mean on, on the kind of, do they deserve it? Oh, yeah. Could well, w- would if we had a goalkeeper on now, I'd be like, let me tell you, I mean, the shootout. Yeah, you 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 make the mind up for the attacker. Yes, I'm sure that I'm sure that would be argued, and maybe with some justification. What should happen, I think, in this is the keeper should run to the players. You should have it so that those who score get to stand in one part of the pitch. <laughs> for those who have missed, are kind of in another. Can't join those in. still waiting are in another, and then the keeper knows. He's like, oh right, okay, th- those are the scorers. I can just leg it to them. Everyone can just leg it to them. They're a kind of group of of guys who stand there looking really smug. Everyone running over that little water bottle with all the notes on it. Um, exactly sorted. Yeah, yeah it's it's a grey area, but I, I just feel like the the goalkeeper Dave has to be the lightning rod for this, and he has to lead the charge towards the. Uh, away fans. It's an accepted thing, but I am I am I I noticed the same thing when I was, when I was talking about that game with some people at the weekend. Like it was notable that ni- you know neither keeper made a save and yeah, you do, you don't get to take the glory. It's not like the famous shot of Seaman Euro '96 against Spain, where you know he's bouncing up and down because he's the hero or or yeah. whatever. Like, yeah, some humility is required, I think, on the part of the goalkeeper. Yeah, I, in that I do agree with this. I mean, on, on an emotional level, I, I feel like we're, we're torn here. But on, on a technical level, Charlie, we've established that the goalkeeper is the most natural focal point for this situation. But at the same time, we're not Middlesbrough didn't win the Champions League or anything. It wasn't it wasn't a monumental situation. So you can't have a situation where the players are all running in different directions. Mm, yeah. You know, sort of yeah. running over to the bench and over to their family and just lying on the floor crying. That, that, that it was always going to funnel one way, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. 
but also, does this does Man United's recent record in, in um, shootouts debunk that cliche that for a goalkeeper it's a free hit? They can only be a hero really in a shootout because actually, certainly in that one against Villarreal, David de Gea was an absolute laughing stock. I mean, I know he he ended up missing one as well, didn't he? Yeah. But he also just kept being beaten. And I think there is a risk, you know, that now it's probably because the technique of the ones taking them is is that much better. You can look like an absolute schmuck as a keeper, whereas back in the day, if I think to my introduction to football at shootouts, it was basically like either the keeper makes a save or you just don't, and it's like, well, nothing you could have done. Tough well, time to be a keeper. Yeah, interesting to know what Joe Lumley has to say about it. Obviously, they won the penalty shootout after a miss by Alanga, but if it, if they'd won the like like in the Afcon final, if you win the penalty shootout via scoring the goal mm. that confirms the victory, then that's the dynamic is changed. Then oh, it's a slam dunk. Oh, you go sure. and celebrate yeah. with the guy who scored the penalty. But that player yeah. sort of runs no off question. to the side, and everyone else sort of goes to him. Yeah, I mean, the scorer of the penalty could share the situation with the goalkeeper. He could run over to the goalkeeper, they embrace, and then Point everyone piles him. on top of them. Oh, by the way, the post-winning penalty pylon by Senegal was the most perfectly executed. Like, literally everyone, Dave. I felt mm. it was the first time I've genuinely felt worried for the person on the bottom. I was concerned. I was looking <laughs> at it thinking, are they, are they re-injured Ismail Assar? Where is he? Mm. I couldn't see him. I was worried that he was just going to be a crumpled heap at the well, bottom this of is it. it. Yeah. It's right up there. I mean, whilst I appreciate the emotion of the moment, Charlie, it's right up there with advertising hoardings as the most overlooked player safety issue Hazard. in football. Like, here's another thing. You know the Rio Ferdinand classic sort of jumping on someone's shoulders in the corner when they've scored? Mm. Um, he did for England quite a lot. I always used to concern myself, but if that goal scorer's got like his tongue out or something, like waggling his tongue or something, Ooh, and yeah. someone lands on him and he bites his tongue off, that's what I always fear. This is a really interesting in- insight into the kind of anxiety that you and I'm sure a lot of others feel when seeing these kind of more... Well, I mean, actually, I say that. I feel whenever someone does a, um, a backflip or whatever, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, are have you, you not mad? heard of the story like, of Celestine Babiaro? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Like something could go wrong. These guys, yeah. God. It's, uh, Health and a safety lot of gone mad on the Football Clichés <laughs> podcast. Elsewhere, I've entitled this section Hitherto Uninvoked Vehicles in Football Co Commentary. Dave, during the BBC's coverage of Nottingham Forest's emphatic win over Leicester, Martin Keown likened Jed Spence to a Rolls Royce, which is, you know, a well established situation. But over on BBC Radio 5 Live. Is it though for a fullback? Well, actually, actually I, I should stop myself there because he used it in the scenario where he, he, he sprinted back to outpace James Madison and, and nick the ball off him for a throw. And Rolls Royce, they're not noted for their speed off the no. mark, are they? No. Mm. The mm. big sort of stately vehicles. They're not Lamborghinis, are they? No. Or whatever. No. This is not a 0-60 situation. But regardless, over on BBC Radio 5 Live, co-commentator Jonathan Woodgate opted for something a little more original. Here, Forrest now breaking away with Zinkanagel, who shrugs off and Didi. He's carried the ball almost to the edge of the penalty area. Now Johnson takes it up, left for Troy, it's deflected and it drops wide. Ward quickly adjusted, but he was down onto his knees. But fortunately for him, it did drop a couple of yards away. If Johnson had just looked to his right there, Jed Spence was coming down like a speedboat. He just opened up his legs. And I tell you, if he had just looked to the right, he'd have been in. A speedboat. Charlie, I like speedboat. <laughs> I mean, presumably we're all waiting for steam train. Yeah. Like that, that sounded absolutely like someone coming down like a steam train. Um, yeah, absolutely. No, no reason. I mean, steam. There's no reason 
it's just convention that steam train is any less weird than speedboat speedboat's more maneuverable yeah exactly i think speedboat's much better cooler as well twists and turns more nippy vice also rolls Royce. just reminds of rolls royce it tends to be he's a rolls royce of a footballer yeah that's yeah, for general sort of, overview. Exactly, I, I yeah. sort of tend to associate it with centre-halves. Mm-hmm. Yes. Virgil van Dijk is, yeah, yeah absolute Rolls-Royce yeah. of a footballer. You have to be... Rolls-Royce of a defender, actually. Yeah. yeah. You, you might occasionally get it for a midfielder, but it's... I mean, Phil Jones would have been a Rolls... heralded as Rolls-Royce back in the day. It basically means you're absolutely massive, but also move quite Classy. smoothly. Yeah, exactly. There's a classiness. I don't I think, think you have to be good at football at all. I think you I do. Think then, I think the Rolls Royce equality is implied. Rolls Royce is like universally accepted as yeah. like a posh premium brand. No, I don't. Vehicle. No, I think this, you're completely on the wrong track here. This isn't about being a, a kind of deluxe level footballer. It's a. It's literally a visual, no. visceral thing. Mm, it is. No. It's only ever massive players. You never see tiny players. Yeah, um, no, fine, but yeah. the, but not but not lumps. They have to be. They have to have an element of of excellence about them. You couldn't have yeah. Ben Mee or no. um, Ben you know, Lu- not Lewis, muscular enough. Lewis Dunk of, or whatever being or Craig Cathcart could never be described as a Rolls Royce, but they're big centre halves. I Van agree. Dijk, I think it's it's the premiumness. And Virgil Van Dijk is, is exa- he's a, he's a, yeah. They're really good examples it's of how that. they move. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm, I feel really strongly about this. I've I studied this a lot. Titus Bramble, essentially a Rolls Royce because he moved really smoothly. Something about his running style uh, was was very kind of. I don't think. I don't think he's a Rolls Royce of a, of a defender for that reason because I think he is too. Um, he's just not quite at that level. Oh, I've, someone has actually defined this. Oh, this is interesting. Where? I mean, this is just some some. This is uh, Sports King definition. Do you okay. know what they say? Sure. What What is a Rolls-Royce defender in the game of football? A Rolls-Royce defender is a central defender with a commanding presence and effortless physical dominance. Mm-hmm. This player wins tackles and out-wrestles his opponents. Mm-hmm. Rolls-Royce defenders move in a gliding fashion and clean everything in their path, path once they commit to a challenge. Yes, but this example he gives speaks to what me and Dave are saying. A good example of a Rolls-Royce defender is Manchester City's Vincent Kompany. <laughs> Who is exactly that premium cerebral brand? That, but he still ticks the boxes that I have established. He, he just he just happens to be a an elite level footballer. I, I feel like you can apply Rolls Royce to anybody as long as they tick the physical boxes. Effortless physical dominance. Mm. Effortless physical dominance. Quite right. Gliding. Very important to a Rolls Royce. Antonio Rudiger never, ever, ever will be described as a Rolls Royce because he's all arms, he's all legs. He's very effective and incredibly good defender and clearly very highly rated and very expensive, I'm, I imagine, too. But he'd never be a Rolls Royce, ever. But may, maybe we're ever. sort of... In a, maybe it's just the fact that you have to be very, very good to have effortless physical dominance. So there's a very small number of people who would fit that description but wouldn't be quite elite, premium... Is Matip a Rolls Royce? I don't think you can't have two Rolls Royces next to each other, can you? Because <laughs> they need to complement each other, don't they? It's too mm. much. I'm trying to think of another. Yeah. Was Terry a Rolls Royce? No, I don't think so because Terry wasn't effortless. Terry yeah. made it look quite like tub thumping. Here I am. I'm gonna fucking come yeah, and clean right. you out. Yeah. And and Matip, I think, is a little too leggy. Maybe. Yeah. He's too leggy. Idiot. He is. Um, so I think Company is is a good example mm. with with uh, with Van Dyke. Great stuff. Uh, we have to work out on our who our ultimate speedboats are as well. But speed. Boats with Jonathan Woodgate, Tuesday, 7pm, Channel 5. Charlie, alarming scenes from the BBC's FA Cup coverage this weekend. They used an extra time counter from 0 to 30 for Kidderminster versus West Ham. But they went from 90 to 120 for Chelsea versus Plymouth. 
when mm. both matches what? were taking place at the same time. Yeah, What's going on this. and which is correct? Yeah, I saw this and I don't know what... I, I think you, you just want... As long as you have ET, I think you want the 98, 99 minutes, personally, because you're going to record the goal as that was in the 99th minute. The only be. reason you... Yeah, the only reason you wouldn't... It, yeah. Yeah, exa- I think you really want that. I don't think you want the seven minutes into extra time. So you're so let, let's get this right, Charlie. You're happy with it going from ninety to one hundred and twenty, and you would refer to a goal going in during that period as say the hundred and fourth minute. I would, but I would also ask that it does say ET because you could, in theory, if you turn on and it's ninety eighth, you're like, oh, this is a lot of stoppage time. Yeah, sure. so as long as the ET's there, that okay, would be my absolutely preference. fine. So. Dave, how do you feel? Are you are you fine on both counts? All we want is consistency. <laughs> <laughs> but so, uh, instinctively, I'm thinking, yeah, you go up to 120 minutes. Have there been big games, big England World Cup games or whatever, where they've done zero to 30? Am I misremembering that? Because yeah, it feels absolutely absurd to me. I don't think if it, it's not. It doesn't feel wrong to me. I think it's okay. Because because Dave, you you could. Just as much as you could say a goal went in in the 104th minute, you could just as easily say um, they took the lead in the 14th minute of extra time. I still think that's okay. Yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's fine right. to say, but mm. I don't think it's fine as, to as have a, it on the clock. Yeah. Mm. Uh, funnily enough, Charlie, as you said, all we want is consistency. This observation came from a listener called Charlie who rounded his observation off with, this is what people are talking about when they say all they want is consistency. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's magic. If anything more consistent that, than that, I don't know. That's superb. But um, a surprising amount of irritation, meanwhile, Dave, at match of the day, abbreviating Cardiff to CDF and Nottingham Forest to NOF. What? There, there's a, I think the BBC Cardiff, are particularly bad at this. C-A-R for Cardiff, right? Oh, yeah. Surely. But, but what about Carlisle? What about Carl and Athletic? Is it, I mean, presumably there is some sort of system here, like the two-letter code for countries and stuff like that. Yeah. They're, surely they're not just plucking these out of the air, are they, Charlie? That is a really good question. And I do, I remember is weird. I remember finding that fascinating with countries that, like, South Africa was RSA. Mm. I remember finding that. I, I assume that was Russia. Mm. And the, uh, but at least it's Wayne, set in stone. Yes, exactly. But it did make me think Wayne Ferreira, the South African <laughs> tennis go. player, was Russian, which, I did, which did seem like an odd name for Russian. But anyway, yeah, I mean, you, you see this a lot. There's, uh, like, PSG aren't PSG hmm. on BT Sport. They are PAR because I think their official fifa uefa name is is Paris. Yeah. Exactly, but I think that one is more of a UEFA land, this is our it's agreed got UEFA on thing. all over it, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly, the, the bureaucrats in neon or wherever they are. 100%. Um, this does feel more ad hoc that you've suddenly got uh, CDF. And also, do you get a choice and is there a fight to you know to be the definitive... C-A-R I can't imagine it's fluid. It you don't, I don't think you inherit, you know, the rights to the first choice one if you're higher in the league, for example, at the end of the season. So, Dave, I can only assume that everyone's got their own individual one and none of them match. That has to be right. But I'm trying um, to think. The NOF for Forest seems weird. F- should be F O R. But then I worry about yeah. Forest Green. But then they could have F G R because they've got three words in their name. It seems like a slam dunk. So yeah. Forest should get F O R. You can't yeah. have Notts because that's Notts County getting potentially annoyed. And you can't have NFT. No, no, um, you can't. For obvious wow. reasons. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm sort of less bothered about other teams in a way. It's just like, it should be obvious, really. It should be obvious that Forest Green are not playing. That, that's what I was thinking. Like, it's, there can't be that much room for confusion. Mm. Martin Keown's just adjusting his set. Just going, <laughs> is, is that Forest Green or is that Forest? So good to have someone in charge in this podcast of, of circling back to things we've talked about before <laughs> because my Mayfly-esque... 
Mayflies have good memories. And what am I talking about? This goldfish. <laughs> Forget all of that. Well, that is our, that's our final case for the adjudication panel. A glamorous end to the adjudication panel this week. Dave, thanks so much for joining us this time. Thank you. Charlie, thanks to you too. Thank you. And we're going to be back on Thursday with Mesut Harland Dicks. See you later, everybody. The Athletic. <laughs>